Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the first ever episode of One Way Podcast. I know that a lot of y'all were pro- were expecting for us to go live over Facebook, and I do apologize over that. Um, just for future notice, we will we will go live over Facebook starting uh, moving forward. We will post live episodes or pre-recorded episodes, and we'll also be posting on a anchor for all the episodes. So if you want to go back you're not able to watch on Facebook or if you don't have a Facebook account at all, you can download the Anchor app um, and be able to find all the episodes on there. And again, I do apologize for not being able to go live this morning as we were just having some technical difficulties with Facebook Live. So I do apologize for the inconvenience, but uh, but just go ahead and jump into it. Guys, I want to just explain briefly um, what the goal of these podcasts are. And that is to simply teach the message of the cross to everyone who who's willing to listen. Because there's there's not a lot of teaching, there's not a lot of podcasts that focus on the message of the cross as the full counsel of God. In that, teach it as how all of God's words are established in righteousness. Because guys, that's something we have to understand that all of God's words are established in righteousness. It's interpreted one way. It's meant to be read one way, which is through the lenses and through the framework of what Christ done at Calvary. If you don't read the Bible in the context of Calvary, then you're missing the whole point of what God is saying in his word. Because we find in Hebrews chapter one, verse two, that God says that in these last days that he's speaking to us through his son. God has always been speaking through the cross and always pointing to what his son done there. You see that in the Old Testament. He's painting the picture of the cross of what was really going to happen there. Hallelujah. And then now, in the since now we live under the new covenant, we go back to Calvary. God points us back to it. And gives us a greater illumination of what he's really done there for us. And that is the goal of this podcast. Is to teach the message of the cross as the full counsel of God. And to show you how every word in God's word is established in righteousness. And it's all pointing to Calvary. Hallelujah. Again, that's the whole point of this podcast. And beginning for the first few episodes, Lord knows how long it's going to take us because we're going to be starting in Romans chapter 8. You can go ahead and be turning there in Romans chapter 8 and we'll be looking at verses 1. We'll be, you know, we're just going to break it down verse by verse. We'll read uh, verses 1 through 4 today and more than likely we're just going to have time to go probably through verses 1 and 2 and maybe a little bit of verse 2, but these episodes are going to be about 30, 35 minutes in length. Um, But you can go ahead and be turning to your Bibles in Romans chapter 8. And Paul would go on to say this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of spirit and life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. Notice this, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And let's look at, let's read verse one again, because we're going to be looking at verse one mainly today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not the flesh, but after the spirit. So to give a little bit of background of what chapter eight is really talking about, chapter eight is where Paul 
Paul is writing his account to the Roman church on how God gave him the message of the cross. I, I believe it was either in 1st or 2nd Corinthians where Paul talks about he was taken up into the third heavens. No, I believe it's in Acts. It's either in Acts or 1 the Corinthians, how he's, how he's talking about he was taken up to the third heaven and there God revealed to him the message of the cross, meaning not only was the cross enough for salvation, but it's enough for our sanctification. And when I talk about sanctification, and we're going to talk about it when we start talking about verse 1, but just to give a little bit of a, if, a, little, a little bit of background on it, when I talk about sanctification, I'm talking about our growth in Christ, how we're being changed into the image of Christ from glory to glory, from faith to faith, because we see that's what God is trying to do. We find that even in the same chapter in verse 29, let's look at that, where God says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And then we'd also find Ephesians chapter one, I believe it's verses 11 and 12. Just give me a minute there as I turn there. Ephesians chapter one, verses 11 through 12, that it says, in him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Right there showing that when it's talking about our sanctification, it's mean we're being conformed into the image of Christ, meaning his in conformed into the Lamb's divine nature. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where he shows that we are be, that we are made the righteousness of Christ, hallelujah. And where John would say that we shall be like him, hallelujah, that we are going to be like him. Whenever he comes back, meaning our glorification, but now we're being conformed daily until that moment, until the day of the rapture, which could be any time. It could be today. It could be this morning while we're filming, recording this podcast. Hallelujah. That Christ comes back to collect us. But until our coming rapture, until Christ takes us home, we are being conformed into the image of Christ, into the Lamb's divine nature, meaning who Christ is right now in all his glory and all his righteousness because look, that life that Christ lived on this earth wasn't made possible until he died on Calvary's cross and said, it is finished. And whenever he said, it is finished, that's when the law was fulfilled. That's when the right, my God, hallelujah, when the righteous demands of the law was fulfilled to where we were no longer living under the, the demands of the law. We are no longer living the old underneath the old covenant, but we were living we are now living in the new covenant. Hallelujah. What the writer of Hebrews would say in chapter in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, that we have a better covenant based on better promises. And what Paul, what the writer would talk about in Hebrews chapter 7, that, per, that Christ is the high priest of that new covenant. He's not the high priest of the old. Hallelujah. Because the law didn't make him the high priest in the new covenant. It was his death on Calvary that made him the high priest. That us in the new covenant because look we understand that Christ is the new covenant hallelujah the old covenant the what Genesis through Malachi it was the law it was pointing to Christ it was just a shadow of what was coming and what brother Curtis said so well in that first session of his teaching of Hebrews chapter 10 right now that God does not work in shadows God has never worked in shadows but 
Let's actually look at that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, where it says, For since the law has but a shadow, notice this, but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Hallelujah. Meaning the law could not do what God said he was going to do in the new covenant. Hallelujah. Because look, any Old Testament saint, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, you know, Shagmar, Deborah, all those Old Testament patriarchs, they could not go to heaven until Christ died. But when they died, they were still saved, but they were in purgatory, the paradise side of hell. But notice they were still captives of Satan because the debt had not yet been paid. Because the old covenant, the law, could not do what Christ's death on Calvary would accomplish. Because there, the sin debt was removed. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can rejoice in that this morning. And even this Saturday, as we're wrapping up the week of Easter, which tomorrow is Resurrection Sunday, what they would say, the day that Christ was resurrected from the dead, you can take joy this morning because his death has liberated us from death and has removed the sting of death from us to where we never have life and life more abundantly. We have everlasting life in Christ Jesus because his death, my God, removed the sting of death and removed the death penalty to where whenever we die, we no longer go down to paradise. Hallelujah. But we go to heaven to be with him to where we will hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Hallelujah. Oh, where we can lay our eyes on Christ, where our faith will become our eyes. Hope will be no more because we see our blessed hope. That's what the cross accomplished. Hallelujah. And the Lord could not do it because it was weak in the flesh. Hallelujah. My God. Hallelujah. Woo. And what God would say in verse 3 and verse 4 that what oh that he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit my God because of the cross because of his death the Holy Spirit is now living and abiding inside of us it's what Paul would say in 1 Corinthians do you not know that you're the temple of God that he now lives that he now dwells on the inside of us because of what Christ accomplished at Calvary my God hallelujah hallelujah oh hallelujah because it doesn't my Lord our answer is not in the law it's not in the old covenant and when I say that I mean it's not in anything we can do but it's all found in what Christ has already accomplished at Calvary's cross. Because verse 1 is the introduction. It is the opening to what Paul is talking about. What we have been talking about for these first 11 minutes. My God, hallelujah. Woo, my Lord. Just makes you want to shout every time you think about what the cross has afforded us. But we see that verse 1 is the answer 
to what Paul would say in Romans chapter 7, verse, in verses 24 and 25. And really, it's really what he was saying throughout all of chapter 7 because chapter 7 was Paul trying to live by the law. Was him trying to rely on the law as the means of victory, as, as the means to obtain righteousness. And let's, we're going to go ahead and read Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 25, just to show that the law, that, the, that, any, that our faith in anything outside of the cross, meaning if our faith is in another object that's not Calvary, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It will never accomplish anything. And, we, and Paul talks about that in verses 9 through 11, talking about how his faith in the law actually brought him deeper into bondage. Because again, like I said, he was saying that, uh, that the law had no power in of itself. Now look, the law was holy and just in what it was meant to do, which again, what it was meant to do was it was meant to point to the coming of Christ. Because even Christ would even say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that I've not come to destroy the law, rather I've come to fulfill it. And then what he would tell the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in John chapter 5, verses 43 through 44, that if they would have read of the, of the law, the Psalms and the prophets, they would have saw that it testified of him. He said it would testify of me, meaning of what I've come to do at Calvary, because that's what the law was doing. It's what it was pointing to. It was it was just a shadow of the true form of these realities, meaning what God was going to do and what he was going to accomplish at the cross. Hallelujah. But again, like I said, verse one is really answering what Paul was saying in Romans chapter, really all of Romans chapter seven, but especially verses 18 through 25. And we'll go ahead and read that. And guys, all these verses that are being mentioned this morning, go down, write these verses. I encourage you, sit down with a notepad and really write these verses down and take notes for yourself because when you allow the Holy Spirit to show you that's him making Calvary more real to you. So I encourage you, write these verses down. Hallelujah. But it would go on to say in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 25. For I, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Notice this, what he's saying. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who did it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see... In my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the, notice this, what he's talking about, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God. Notice this. Notice these presented two laws here. The law of sin and now the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Hallelujah. And this is what and I want you to notice. This is what Paul is saying, that I tried to live by the law. I tried to live my life by what God outlined in the old covenant. And I found it that it did not give me the power to overcome 
The sin nature, that's what he's talking about, the law of sin. The sin in my being, the sin in my members, meaning that sin nature, which notice the sin nature came into being whenever Adam and Eve ate of the, of the fruit of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And whenever they ate of that fruit, that's when sin entered in. That's when sin came in and when we were corrupted and tainted by sin. And the sin nature came in and the sin nature is that it's that entity that reigns and rules in us before we come to know Christ. And it's what influences us to sin. It doesn't make us sin because we make that choice in of ourselves. But it's what drives us. It's what motivates us. And you know, an example is if you watch, you know, those old cartoons like Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry, where, you know, they're about to do something that's wrong. And, you know, you would see, you know, for example, whenever Tom was going to do something to Jerry that wasn't right, you know, you'd see the angel and the little devil pop up on his shoulder. The angel showing, you know, the good conscience showing, oh, don't do this. This is wrong. This is the, this is the right choice. And then the devil, that little devil on his shoulder who's acting him on to do it. And that's essentially that it's a crude example, but that shows what the sin nature kind of is in our life. It's that nature that influences us to sin, that drives us to sin and what allows us, you know, to make that choice. Because again, like I said, it doesn't make, it doesn't forces us, it doesn't force us to sin. We make that choice in of ourselves, but we see it's there influencing. And that's what Paul is saying, that the law could not overcome the sin nature. It couldn't do it. And when I try to rely on the law all the more, I found that I was doing that I did not want to do, meaning I found myself continuing to live that, continuing to do that same kind of sin that I didn't want to do. Because why? Because there's nothing good in my flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And that's where he says, thanks be, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, that, and that's what verse one is Explaining it's the answer to this question, to this statement. They saying where he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, showing our power is found in the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live right, which is only made possible by the cross and our faith in that finished work. Because we see, even in the same chapter, in verse 32, and, you know, kind of, again, saying what Andrew has been quoting a lot on his podcasts, on the Scholar Thread, but again, we're going to keep on saying it because it shows, in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, where it says, "He He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Showing that, that God offered up Christ as the perfect sacrifice. So that way he can give us the means to live this life right for him. To give us the power to overcome sin and, the, and to make a way for us to be saved. And that's what Paul is saying. That what Christ done at Calvary, his death on the cross, was what made it possible for me to have power over the sin nature. Hallelujah. Because look, it goes back to what 
to Romans chapter 6, the mechanics of the Holy Spirit and the mechanics of being born again. In Romans chapter 6, we're verses 3 through 6, it outlines this perfectly where it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that our old, notice this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Right there showing Christ's death on the cross is what has liberated us from the reign and from the rule of the sin nature to where we are no longer slaves to unrighteousness. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we're bond slaves to righteousness because we chose to put our faith in Calvary, accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we chose to lay our life, to offer our life as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1, as a Live as a living sacrifice unto God, meaning we chose to deny all that we are. Because again, what does Christ say if we are to follow him? We find that in Luke 9, 23, where he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his what? And take up his cross daily and follow after me. Right there, Christ is saying, if you're going to follow after me, meaning if we're going to walk in the spirit, we have to deny our flesh, meaning our willpower, our education, anything that we are relying on, we have to lay it at the wayside of Calvary. We have to lay it down at the cross because that is our work. That is our own work. And God will not honor the works of our flesh. He will only honor the work of Christ, the finished work of Christ. We even find that when the moment Christ was baptized by John the Baptist and came out of that river, we see that my Lord, hallelujah, that the light started shone, it shined on Christ. And then we see the spirit in the form of a dove descend on Christ, rest on his shoulder. And immediately right after the voice of the father came and said, this is my son in who I am well pleased. And even on the Mount of Transfiguration, God said, this is my son in who I am well pleased. And listen to what he has to say, showing God is only going to honor the finished work of Christ. He's only going to honor the work of Calvary. He's not going to honor our works because he doesn't work the way we demand him to. He doesn't work by what how we say he can work. He works works only through the finished work of Christ. And what Paul would even say in verse two, and we're just going to read it. And if we have time to get to it a little bit, well, we will. But it says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Right there showing the cross is God's holy law. That is the only law he's going to work through. And it's the only law he will ever be found working in. That's why Christ would even say in John chapter 5 verse 23. If you are to honor the father, you must honor me. And meaning 
How do we honor Christ? We honor him by putting our faith in the cross, meaning that we're denying ourselves. We're laying everything aside and saying, Father, I know my answer's in the cross, Lord. I know you're only working in Calvary. I know that's how you give me all things in Christ, Father. I know that's where my power is found. And I know that's the way you've commanded me to go down is the way of the cross. And Father, I'm denying all that I am and all that I have. And I'm going to the cross, Father, because I know that's where you're working. And I know that's how you're able to have relationship with me. It's through the confines and the parameters of Calvary. Because again, God will only be found working through what Christ has done at the cross. He's not going to be working by our own agenda. He doesn't serve us. We serve him. And Sadly, that's what a lot of the church is promoting, that God, that they're teaching that God serves us, which they, wanna, they won't come out right and say it. But there are those out there who, who, don't, who don't know. That's why we got to preach the cross. That's why we got to make it known to them. But it's what a lot of these churches are promoting, saying you can have your faith in any other object outside of Calvary. And essentially what you're saying is. God serves us, which is not the reality of it. That's not how it is. He doesn't serve us. We serve him. And we only can serve him by our faith in Calvary, by our faith in the finished work of the cross, not the wooden beam. I'm not talking about the wooden beam. I want to clarify that I'm not talking about the wooden beam. I'm talking about the work Christ done there. That's how we walk by faith. It's how we walk in the spirit. That's how we serve him by faith. By walking in that measure of faith like Paul would even say, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, verse three, walking in that measure of faith, which leads us to live our life by the faith of the son of God, Galatians 2.20, because even Paul would say, for this life I now live in the flesh. I live it by the faith. Notice this, I live it by the faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved himself and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Right? There's the answer, guys. That's how we're found. That's what it means to be in Christ Jesus. Meaning, our faith is in Calvary. We're denying all that we are. And we're choosing to go the way that road of Via Della Rosa to the cross. Hallelujah. Choosing to walk down the ways of Calvary because look, in Psalms chapter 23, I believe it's verse three, but we're gonna turn there anyways. Psalms 23, where, you know, it's, it's called the shepherd psalm, but it shows that God will only lead down the paths of righteousness. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He noticed this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God will only be found leading us to the way of Calvary. Because again, that is our answer. 
for everything. That's how God works. It's how he has relationship with us. It's on the basis of what Christ has done there for us. Because look, when he saved us, fellowship was restored between us and the Father. That's what the cross accomplished. That's part of what Calvary accomplished. Hallelujah. It's not what we can do, but it's what he's already done. And that's what Paul is saying. The same faith that has saved me is the same faith that's going to keep me in Christ. Reese says, for those who are in Christ Jesus, he's saying the same faith that saved me is the same faith that's going to keep me being found in Christ Jesus. Faith in the cross. Faith in the finished work of Calvary because that's where the power is found. That's where God is found working, moving in our midst, changing us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. When you look at the cross, you're looking as in a looking glass, beholding the glory of the Lord, meaning you're seeing Christ in Calvary. What Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, because he has given us the liberty, the means to see him because we're no longer living under the demands in the condemnation of the law. Because he's leading us down the paths of righteousness for that purpose. Because that's what he's saying in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6. Leave your simple ways and live. Notice this. Leave your simple ways, meaning leave your foolish ways and live and walk in the way of insight. What's the way of insight? What is insight meaning? It means knowing something that God is revealing the secret of his covenant, Psalms 25, 14, to those who fear him. And when our faith is in Calvary, we are abiding in the fear of the Lord because when we abide in Christ, meaning we're abiding in the vine, we are going to be found abiding in the fear of the Lord, knowing the cross, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, is the wisdom of God. We even see that in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge. Notice that the knowledge of the Holy One is insight because God is the one who's giving the illumination. The insight to what he's accomplished for us at the cross. Hallelujah. Because that's why the Holy Spirit's been given to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12. To show us all things in Christ. To show us all things that Christ has made possible and made available to us. Oh my Lord. Hallelujah. Which is one of them is we are no longer in condemnation. And what does condemnation mean? I'm glad you asked because it means that we are under a verdict. That we that God's disapproval was upon us because we were not found walking in the way. But when he called out to us, when he convicted our hearts and said, hey, it's time to come home. And if you want to be saved, believe on what my son has done on the cross for you. And there you can be saved and found a new creation, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Because that's what the cross done. It crucified the old man. It bared the old man. And we are now risen in newness of life in Christ Jesus. What we're gonna, what 
we've been what we are observing this week, the resurrection of Christ, because the resurrection was the evidence what Christ did on the cross was more than enough. Meaning that new life is now made a reality because he died and said, It is finished, and all authority has been given to Christ, meaning everything has been given to Christ. Hallelujah. And he's now given it to us through the means and through the sacrifice, through the framework of the cross. And we are no longer found underneath condemnation. We are no longer being declared as guilty, but we are now made the righteousness of Christ because God has imparted Christ's righteousness to us to where he says, you're innocent. Not guilty. You're free. You're free from the debt of sin. But not only are you free from the debt of sin, but you're freed from the rule and the reign of the sin nature. Because my son's death has given us liberty. Oh, hallelujah. What 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Meaning our freedom has now been made possible because Christ freed us from the rule and the reign of the sin nature by him giving himself on the cross. And that's what we've been teaching on every Sunday in Hebrews chapter 10, which we'll be continuing that tomorrow morning. I encourage you to tune in that Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. And that God prepared a body. He prepared a sacrifice for himself, which was Christ and crucified. And by his death, we are now found in Christ. We are now found being established in righteousness. And guys, unfortunately, we have run out of time for this first episode. And we'll pick back up next Saturday in verse 2 looking at the lost spirit life in Christ Jesus and how it set us free from loss and death, meaning how our liberty is found in the cross. Hallelujah. Guys, I hope you've got something out of this morning, out of this podcast. Glad for everyone who's tuned, who will be tuning in. And God bless. We'll see you next Saturday.